Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. start right away with an anecdote that hopefully illustrates a common thing that some of us will experience. And I want to start talking about when I was in my internship back in 2017. So it was actually about five years ago, right around this month, where I went and visited uh, Joe and Erica Martino for the first time at the Joe Martino Counseling Agency. And I had tried to get internships in a couple other places, ones that I thought were very appropriate for me, and I was not pulled into those specific placements, which was such a disappointment. And so when I went to Joe and Erica, it was kind of like this Hail Mary because I thought, oh my word, I, I'm no one's going to accept me. This is just going to be awful. And I assumed I was failing counseling before I even started being a counselor. And when I went to my interview, it, it wasn't painful all that much, except, you know, I'm socially awkward. And so that adds its own levels of complexity. But what was interesting was about six months later, Joe and I were having a conversation and he said, hey, Steph, do you want to know the first thing I thought of you when I met you for the first time, and I remember thinking, nope, don't want to hear that. But of course, I uh, am open to feedback. I think feedback is where growth happens. So I very tentatively was like, oh, okay, sure. And he said, honestly, I looked at you and I could see that you were scared shitless that I would see the real you. And I was like, yep, that sounds accurate, but also um, rude, right? Like I went in and I looked professional and no one could tell that I was frazzled, which, which is such a lie because you can tell everything just by looking at my face. But it was one of those things where just kind of that blunt moment of honesty was it just kind of called it out and was like, yep, you look scared and you're okay, right? And so what was interesting was maybe about six weeks back, Joe was hanging out with my abnormal sight class and he's making a comment about how most of us at some point in time simultaneously want to be known and don't want to be seen. And I, I stopped him and I said, wait a second. So that big profound statement of what you, what you thought of me the first time I saw you, that's like a universal experience? He's like, of course. None of us like to be seen for who we are, but we also want to be able to show up as we are. It's this weird paradox that we have to navigate. And it just kind of gave me this sense of um, somewhat hilarity because for the last four and a half years since he said that to me, I assumed I was just this this really poorly presenting, fragile, fractured person who was having a unique experience. And the reality is we all show up and we all have this desire to kind of hide our flaws and hide our deficits. And we also want to be seen and be accepted where we're at. And so I'm just kind of learning uh, what that actually looks like as I try to navigate, you know, being in a professional world, as I navigate new relationships, as I navigate transitioning life seasons. It's this thing of like, am I okay? And also is is it okay to show up as me, even if other people don't actually like what I'm presenting? So it's this weird season of shifting. But, you know, I've been on the cusp of this type of questioning for like five years now, thanks to Joe. And one of the things that comes up for 
me is this understanding that a lot of us go through this. A lot of us really struggle with what is my place? What is my role? How do I show up well? And when I'm really scared, how do I show up anyway? And it leads to, at least in many of our stories, something called imposter syndrome. Now, I do want to give credit where credit's due, and I believe Joe did do an episode of this. I want to say it's episode 117 on the Joe Martino Show, so you could always check out his podcast as well. Like I said, he's a great mentor, great friend, and I I glean a lot of wisdom from him. But I'm going to do my own take on it, primarily because I work not exclusively with women, but I work primarily with women, and it tends to be that imposter syndrome shows up in women's lives a bit more often than in men's lives, but it also shows up in the lives of those who are in a minority in whatever capacity they're serving. And what imposter syndrome is, it's where you show up and you feel like a phony, or you worry you'll be seen as a fraud, or you walk around kind of with this pervasive sense of inferiority. And now many of us feel this way quite often. One of the reasons it shows up in some of our stories is if we came from a family where achievement and production is valued above all else. It also tends to hold hands with perfectionism. And so imposter syndrome is kind of just this pervasive sense of dis-ease, this sense that we're going to mess up or the sense that we've already messed up and someone's about to call us out on something. But I want to reiterate, it's a very normal feeling. And it's especially normal if you're in a a subcategory of people who are the minority in some sort of workplace, but also if you grew up in a system where achievement and production are highly valued. But what I want to reframe it as is imposter syndrome can actually be a really cool launching point for change. So one of the concerns is when you feel inferior or when you feel like you're an imposter, perhaps that leads you to back out of things that might be important to you. So it can lead to you giving up. You decide you can't handle the pressure. You talk yourself into tapping out prematurely. And that particular reaction to imposter syndrome really is just a tragedy because you're minimizing your place. the world or you're rejecting yourself before things play out and maybe you you aren't an imposter, maybe you are actually qualified. But the second place that imposter syndrome shows up that's actually really helpful is when it leads us to leveling up. And so I want to share about another internship story I have where I had a husband and wife who were kind of in the throes of a parenting struggle and I, I don't have kids. I've taught academics for a very long time. At that point, I had been a teacher for seven or eight years. I know how to work with kids, but I didn't have the skill set I needed to necessarily work with parents well to meet their kids. And so over the last, you know, five years, I've really grown in that skill. But this next anecdote is one of the reasons why. So as my supervisor, Joe had the right to come in and sit in on any session to see what was going on with his interns. And he asked to sit in on a particular session. And this session was a dumpster fire on top of whatever other pejorative terms I can put on it. It just did not go well. And he had actually stepped in a couple times and gave some really sound advice. And so I was able to learn from him there. I was able to learn a lot about myself under pressure there. Didn't love that. But what happened when we left the room, he said to me, he said, how do you think that went? And I said, well, it's clear I'm not a parent. And he said to me, yep. I went and said to my wife right after I watched you that it's very clear that you're not a parent. And that was like a dagger through my gut because I thought I was, you know, faking it. And I thought I was um, coming across as refined and polished and clearly not 
not only was that not the case, but this gaping deficit had shown up. And I'm using the word deficit um, in my own brain. That's what I perceived it to be. Me not having kids and not having parenting skills, that's not a deficit. That's just the life context in which I found myself. But the thing is, that feedback, however brutally it landed, was the launching point for me going home that weekend and doing everything I could to equip myself with tools to not have a repeat of that type of session again. And so one of the things I talk through with clients is, yes, we are going to mess up. And it's not even a mess up as much as, you know, the whole kind of cliche opportunity for growth. But the reality is when we get feedback that we haven't done something to the best of our ability, it is an invitation to do better and be better and try something better going forward. And so when I walk through with my clients where they have this imposter syndrome showing up, we take the moment that they're talking about and we dissect it and we learn as much as we can learn about it. We squeeze every ounce of enrichment out of it and we make sure that that type of situation doesn't happen again to the best of our abilities. And that's why to me, imposter syndrome can be such a beautiful space to occupy. Now, it's not great if it's if it's lacking confidence and if it's lacking efficacy and if it lacks us or if it deprives us of an opportunity to do better. But every time we feel that twinge of embarrassment, like maybe I don't belong here, maybe I need to do better, maybe I have to learn more, and then we use that as a launching point for growth, you're doing it right. Your imposter syndrome, even if it's there, is to your benefit and it's an asset and it keeps you humble and it keeps you hungry for learning more. So yes, I do have this pervasive sense of imposter syndrome, especially when I try new things, but I know it's there because it's going to propel me towards growth. That's literally its function in my life. Now, if it was immobilizing me, if it was something where I stopped moving or I engaged in action... I don't know if I could say I engaged in action because that seems like a contradiction. Okay, if it led me to complacency or it stops me from acting, that's going to be one of the places where I want to seek out clinical help because it's immobilizing. And imposter syndrome can be something that's to our benefit. We just have to harness it in a specific way. If we don't deal with it, though, here's what happens. It leaves no space for us to be a beginner. It robs us of opportunities to try new things. And it's this self-imposed misery. No one else disallows us from trying new things and being a beginner except for ourselves. And it makes sense, certainly. It's the brain trying to protect us from the pain of embarrassment or the pain of rejection or the pain of your supervisor sitting next to you shaking his head and you're assuming he's like, why did I bring this girl on? Which that was my brain talking. That's not what was actually happening. Our brain is keeping us in a prison. And one of the the kind of pivots I want to make here is when we talk about things like perfectionism, perfectionism in and of itself is damaging because perfection isn't a thing. Our minds convince us that there's a benchmark. It convinces us that there's a finish line. And if I just do A, B, or C, eventually I'll be good enough. But there's literally no way it can be. It's more insidious than that because it doesn't show distinction. If I want to make baked goods this weekend, or I want to put together a presentation for work, or I want to work on a treatment plan for clients, and I'm worried about perfectionism, then my baked cookies have to be as important and as intact as my treatment plan for clients, or as this important presentation that I'm giving. Cookies are not the same as my presentation. So to take them both and demand perfection, it doesn't make sense. I can channel excellence. I can strive towards excellence, but I need to channel it in ways that make sense. I want to be excellent at presentations. I want to be excellent with my clients. I don't need to be excellent with baking cookies. And so excellence gives us a kind of a recalibration or a different target. Perfectionism leaves no room for mediocrity. It leaves no room for being human. That's one of the reasons we have to fight ardently against perfectionism 
perfectionism. So as we talk through, okay, I do have imposter syndrome. I do have issues with perfectionism. What can I do? What I run through with clients when we're kind of going through a situation where they felt like an imposter, we ask certain questions. Number one, did I do the work to get here? So even though as an intern, I was not a five-star person, a five-star clinician at that point in time, I did the work to get there. Number two, are others trusting what I'm capable of? I literally had a supervisor sitting right next to me entrusting me with this process. So yes, I had done the work to get there. Yes, there were other people trusting in me. The third question we ask, what evidence do I have that I'm competent? In the moments of sitting in that room with those parents, I felt about the size of a mite. I felt small and insignificant, but I had been doing my internship at that point for like four or five months and I had many wins along the way. In those moments, I didn't have the right tools, but I'm not incompetent across the board. It was just in those moments. The second, or I'm sorry, the fourth question rather, what evidence do I have that I'm incompetent? Well, in those moments, I felt it, but the reality was it was just a feeling. It wasn't fact that I was incompetent. It was fact that it was a hard session. It was fact that I walked away feeling some embarrassment, but that's just a feeling. It was not factual that I had failed there. That's that's the way my emotions were running. And then number five, if I actually am falling under expectations, what can I do to improve? That's where my imposter syndrome is such an asset for me because I do not accept mediocrity from myself. I will use whatever the embarrassment is, whatever the shortcoming it is, whatever the frustration is, and I will stretch and grow and strive towards doing it differently next time because that's what it looks like to harness that particular, I'm using air quotes here, that deficit of imposter syndrome. That's what it looks like to harness it well. What can I do with it going forward? Use imposter syndrome to help you stretch. It's a huge motivator and it can help us lean towards excellence. Again, it will not help us reach perfection because that's not a destination, but we work on our thoughts, we work on our actions, we regulate the emotions that we have. And if we keep showing up and doing the things that are important to us, I do believe eventually the imposter syndrome becomes less. But I know in my story, I continually try to be a beginner, which means I'm probably going to feel imposter syndrome along the way intermittently because that's just what happens when you tackle new things. But I want to invite you into thinking, what does it look like if this does show up in my story where I feel like I'm not supposed to be there? I'm not qualified to be there. I'm not competent to be there. Others might see me as a phony. I'll look like a fraud. If that's showing up, what's the next move? Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.